0: Hey buddy, welcome to Dr. Podcast. Appreciate y'all being here and support the people that support us. We appreciate it. Don't forget, check out Dr. TV for that streaming program, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 3 o'clock. Of course, Adam and I are still doing our thing. Dr. Drew.com for everything else. Today, my buddy Daryl Hammond joins us. Wow. Yeah, wow, indeed.
1: I'm your buddy.
0: You're my buddy because... Because... You know, I don't know if you remember our... our <laughs> you're, you're nodding, yes. Our Extremely adventures together... Well. Uh, but but we had a we literally had like a equivalent of a buddy film you know uh, one day in Toronto when the lights went out.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, we did the film in Toronto, New York minute with the Olsen Twins, and um, I remember that it was quite hot and the days were quite long. Um, yeah, but we left.
0: Well, but you but what I but our our buddy part was. It was, we were there in Toronto for a couple of weeks and the big uh, power outage of the Eastern Seaboard happened while we were there. And so in our hotel, no water, because you couldn't pump water up, yeah, no yeah. elevator, no lights, no, no air conditioning. It was hot as shit. And you and I were wandering the streets of Toronto looking for water, if you remember.
1: I do. And was, was, was it I recall the streets were dark.
0: It was daytime when we started. Uh, but yeah, everything was dark. We actually were, like, were fighting the clock. Like, we got to get this done before it gets dark because there's going to be no lights out here.
1: Okay, okay. All right. Sorry, I had that wrong. And so, yes, there, was a, there, was, there wasn't beverages. <laughs> there wasn't ice. Imagine a world without ice and, and your, your favorite tasty beverage. It was just, just the a... water aspect of it, yeah. It's weird. Just, just saying, hey, you know, because you know, I never thought about water before, but no, you know, we did, and uh, I think we managed to have a couple of laughs. If I'm not, yeah, generally yes, good feeling about it.
0: Yeah, uh, Daryl Hammerin and Dr. Drew walking into your liquor store begging for water. That was the that was the, the, the theme of the buddy film. And as, as I recall, you you weren't supposed to even use the toilets or something. And I, I remember going to bed that night going, I don't know how this is going to work out. And, just, and I think it all turned on during the night or something, if I remember right.
1: Was it something? Was it was it conserved water by not flushing
0: I think that was something in that order. Right? We were there; were all it was all kinds. of It was very confusing. I just remember that. And I just so remember this
1: crazy phrase: "If it's brown, f- flush it down. If it's yellow, let it mellow." <laughs> oh, my, Which my. came from, I believe, Mayor Koch, right? George <laughs> in New York.
0: That's so funny. Well, tell me about your current project.
1: Well, it's based on a book that's a New York Times bestseller. God, if you're not up there, I'm fucked. And it details uh, my life of uh, not knowing what was wrong with me, being a cutter for a long time, and then finally meeting this doctor who's a hundred years ahead of his time, who figures out what's wrong with me, and voila. Here I am in l a in pretty reasonably good health, which is remarkable to me. Um, let me see what, what can I, how can I make it If you think of one flu, did you see the king's speech? Oh yeah, where the king can't talk, and a guy comes in, gives him. Okay, so the king's speech versus uh, I guess one flew over the cuckoo's nest or meets because there's a um a lot of the play. The second half of the play takes place in a nut house where I meet this great doctor who comes in and and figures out what the hell's going going on with me and why thirty nine other doctors could.
0: And so wh- where where can we see this first of all?
1: It's going to be at the Lane Theater, um, January fifteenth through twenty, or something like that. I don't have the exact date right in front of me, but it's Manette Lane Theater. That it's being recorded by Amazon Audible. Um, oh wow. wow, that's cool! Yeah, it's pretty cool. I did a play once there with Billy Crystal that was recorded by Audible. And they, they, it's quite a slick production they put out.
0: Are, are you out here in Los Angeles now? Is that where you live?
1: I am in Los Angeles, sir.
0: And you lived in New York for a long time, right?
1: Long time, until three years ago, when I had a um, incredibly bizarre experience during uh, COVID that shocked me so bad. Um, I sold my apartment and moved here. I mean, what? I ran into a very dark soul. What happened? I just got manipulated by somebody.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Who made me believe things that um, I believed. I am so sorry. That's okay. I mean, I want to write a book about it. I, You know, the first book I wrote with Liz Stein, who is also a New York Times bestselling author, and she's afraid to write this book about this person because this person is too scary. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um. So... Long story short, I couldn't be in that apartment anymore. I was conned into hmm. believing that somebody loved me, and um, I left. I sold it and moved here. and Hollywood is West Hollywood is where I'm at, and I'm really having a great experience out here. Did,
0: did this, you know, this manipulation that occurred? Did it happen? Was COVID sort of the setup for it? Is that why you were kind
1: of? I, I, I uh... you know, I. Th- I got to wonder how much the crazy isolation that yeah. I you know, I was enduring because I, I've had all forms of been treated for all different forms of depression, I believe, in my life and successful, I think, but not isolation of what happens when mammals are separated that need to congregate or aren't allowed to in the sickness that it is.
0: No, you're, you're, that is a major thing, man. I, I, I think that I, that it is extremely bad for us. I, I was telling somebody this morning, I still think we're under the influence of it. Like it's still, it was a shock to our system. And I, and I'm seeing so much, <clears throat> I don't know how to describe it except dumb stuff people are doing and thinking. Like or- what? Oh, I just, I just, I, it's all the time. I've I've decided I've, I've I've divided the world into smart and dumb because, and, and I don't mean it pejoratively. It's just like, dude, dude, you're being dumb. And, uh, and I, to the point where I was this morning, I was talking about, um, with a friend of mine, who's a professional, and he was talking about an attorney who it, it was a, you know, sort of a complicated tax issue. And what he got back was dumb. And I said, well, it's this, I'm seeing a lot of dumb these days. And he goes, I don't know if it's incompetence or laziness. I said, no, it's dumb. And to the point where I start wondering if COVID hurt our brains more than
1: we know. It's quite a shock to your system that every time you think you're out of the woods and it's safe to, uh, to go to a show or a movie or a ball game, um, a new virus, a new strain would occur. Mm. This play was being put on last year off-Broadway at Mineta Lane Theater. The theater closed due to COVID. Then it was moved to the Helen Hayes Theater on Broadway, and uh, the cast of Hamilton got sick with COVID, and then therefore, insurers didn't want to insure new shows anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, oh God. And, and you know, Ugh. getting your hands on a, on a theater in New York City is hard. Oh, my God. Impossible. And, and, and when you lose it, it ain't going to come right back. Uh. You, you know what it is. I mean, yes. to me, in the play, you know, I, I, I pay a little homage to the fact that, you know, I remember I had sores on my face. I was showing signs of being in solitary confinement. And there I am in the Upper West Side. I mean, you know, with the the wind, you know how it is in the Upper West Side of Manhattan in the winter. Lots of wind, lots of ice, lots Mm. of snow. Dark, dark, dark most of the time. And here we are, you know, 72 hours at a time, no human contact. I started getting sores on my face. They say it's a symptom of solitary confinement. I don't know.
0: But Well, it's because it, you start picking at yourself that they like a dog licking his leg till he licks his hair off. That's what that's a mammal do. So they start they start messing with themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so at that time, in order if you wanted any human contact, you could then go to a diner in the, and sit in a snowbank next to a heat lamp, <laughs> um, wearing a mask, of course, until your food arrives, and then you take your mask off, and. Enter the picture, the nicest, most personable, smartest, most interesting person I've ever met. And she had a narrative. She made me believe all kinds of things. And I didn't really know at the time that she had a, a double life.
0: Wow. Wow. I'm so sorry. What a it's it's okay.
1: We're gonna write that book one day.
0: Uh, Oh, I hope so.
1: And I know I've come out here and I've met the greatest people out here. You know, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, L.A., Palisades. You know, it's a it's twelve step mecca out here.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, it is.
1: You want to heal from something? This is the place to be.
0: Yes, yes, it is. It's for sure. But man, do
1: you want me to tell you the precepts of the play and see if you can hold on to one of them? Absolutely. Precept number one, mental illness is not an airborne virus. Okay. Precept number two, monst- real monsters hide in the light. Mm-hmm. Precept number three, monsters don't make themselves.
0: Hmm.
1: Precept number four is first you're a victim, then you're a monster. Mm.
0: Hmm. 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 That's an interesting insight. That's the play. And by the way, uh, not all victims become monsters, right? No. A- and e- 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 <laughs> in the current political environment, victims have been imbued with only good. So if they become a monster, they can certainly get away with quite a bit.
1: Well, if you look at monsterdom, um, if you want to know what you define a monster let's just say, serial killers and violent uh, p- criminals who committed violent crimes of rape. Or, you know what I mean? The stuff you read about, I mean, they didn't come from nowhere.
0: No. Well, some some are genetically set up, but most are made. Well, I had an interesting
1: talk. When I did Criminal Minds, there was an FBI profile that would help us on the set, and I had a very interesting talk about, are they born, are they made? mm you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the idea that it's much easier to prove, because we have case histories, that lots of people that serial killers, mass murderers, whatever. Um, it's easy to prove there's an antecedent that they had um, what their childhood was like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: According to the profiler, there is a slim percentage where we just can't figure it out.
0: Right. That's true.
1: So that's I'm I'm just joining in with you on that because I was, there was a time for me when I was like, no, I'm I saying to him like, no, 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 they all, there's always trauma before. And he was saying there are cases where we can't prove it.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: We're going to look for child abuse. Yeah. And we're not finding
0: the, the same thing is true of a lot of uh, personality disorders. Like for instance, borderline personality disorder, very common for them to have had childhood abuse particularly safe Can
1: i raise my hand yeah and say um let's talk talk a little bit about borderline personality disorder
0: Let, let's is not talk about in, it
1: huh yeah, i want to, to, to you know, want me. to talk. Okay. okay i want to okay the woman in new york that conned me uh, it turns out she had been diagnosed as a borderline personality disorder mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my understanding of it is correct me if i'm wrong is it's Everything there's a difference degree in in everything. Correct. Yeah. At its most advanced, a borderline personality is a person that not only uh, has different sides to them, there are actually two separate person states.
0: Well, this is this is what people talk about. See, at at minimum, it's an unstable identity. I think that kind of encapsulates borderline. And it can go all the way into different personalities. And some people believe that when we talk about dissociative identity disorder or something called multiple personality disorder, really, we're just talking about severe borderline. But but this...
1: Well, they listed online, borderline is listed as a multiple personality disorder.
0: It, it, it is people, these are all theoretical things, you know, how do we define these things? But yes, they, they, will, they will take it there very often. I'm really excited today to talk to you about ketone IQ from HVMN, Health Via Modern Nutrition. I literally just took some. It's a shot whenever you need to re energize. It's no sugar. It's no caffeine. It is a ketone, but it's a specially modified ketone that they develop for the military when people have long periods where they can't get access to food and they need to keep their energy up and they want to get some mental clarity. And I'm telling you, it works. Your brain and body is fueled by ketones, and you can find ketone IQ in your local sprouts nationwide. And you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ. It's K-E-T-O-N-E-I-Q at H-V-M-N.com slash Drew. I'm very excited about this product. It has helped me control my appetite. It has helped me reduce some of the calories I take in during my meals. It has given me mental clarity and energy for both workout and cognitive tasks. I'm telling you, uh, look, it's no accident the military went for this. They, this is a great product, and I suggest you give it a shot. It's a great adjunct to your nutritional program. It is, again, ketone IQ at H-V-M-N, hvmn.com slash D R E W. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. I'm telling you. This, this person, this monster you dealt with during COVID sounds like what's called a female sociopath. Female sociopaths are very dangerous. They're more dangerous in many ways than male sociopaths. Tell me. Because they're they can manipulate uh, and use sex and use Roma and use everything they've got to, to to gain power and control over men.
1: Well, this, you know, I I managed I have uh two great shrinks. I have one great I mean, still, but back then when I was in New York, I had another one. And I got both of them interviewed her. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And the sense was um, there's a criminality.
0: Well, that's the sociopathy, yeah. Or antisocial, like, you know. that's
1: Yeah, like, here's, and I don't know if this is a psychopath or a sociopath. Um, one of my doctors called her a, um anglerfish sociopath.
0: Yeah, well. Anglerfish
1: puts out all these lights. This one puts out this incredible narrative. Mhm about the life of devoting herself to well, people who have no no advocate. Oh boy. Yeah right. That's the mo- that's that's the life and they they have this narrative in in their head and they sell the narrative and nothing makes them angrier than when that narrative is threatened.
0: Yeah. Well, they get the borderline rage is oof. Very tough. Tell
1: me about, tell me. I, I, I know you know a lot
0: more. Well, p- part of part of the borderline situation is unregulated hostility. Like they're, They have this hostility that just comes out of them. And their rage is more in the zone of narcissistic rage. Like when they get threatened, they get extremely rageful and can be very destructive to themselves and others. Very destructive.
1: I want to say... You know, on the f- I saw this person become enraged in a way that was past fight or flight. Right. Um. This was like enhanced yep. mania. Yeah. Rage. Yep. Um. The words couldn't come out without the voice breaking, strident like a strident trumpet.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the voice
1: couldn't support the anger the volcano mm-hmm. that that occurred when the narrative was taken away from her and we ran into another guy who was just like me
0: Well, when she's threatened you know with
1: the, the threat and, and, and I didn't know if I was gonna get out of that room alive yeah I'm telling you, I've been rageful. You have. We've seen it. Yeah. I haven't seen anything like this.
0: No, it it can be a murderous rage. Or it can feel like a murderous rage, that's for sure. Let me
1: throw this curveball at you. Yeah. Let's say you want to hurt someone as bad as you can, um, but not actually have to go to jail yourself. Okay. Let's say in the sociopathy, That's your motif. What's the best way to do that? Lie. Oh, sure. Get someone to believe something that they've been needing to believe their whole life. till it becomes a beacon of hope, a religion. Mm. Right? And Mm. then move in and fuck their boyfriend or fuck their boss or fuck their child, their son. Do that. Ooh. And this world person's world will never be inhabitable again. Do you see where I'm at?
0: Yes. 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 It's, it's, and it's you're
1: saying you're aware of that sort of stuff happening.
0: I, I'm me. I'm aware that people do that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. I listen, having worked in a psychiatric hospital for a long time, I cultivated the word whatever, which is, and expect anything, anticipate anything. There's, it's whatever. It's there's no limit with, with humans. There really isn't. And I, I, what I also learned, however, is to be sympathetic or at least empathetic for sick people. Are sick? People get sick, and and I I get kind of angry when sick people don't get proper treatment. Now, now, sociopathy doesn't really have a treatment. Doesn't really have a treatment.
1: I have heard that there's no treatment. Yeah, there's no way to treat it.
0: Yeah, and so I feel like they need to be firmly put in place,
1: supervised. Year. Maybe have their keys to their home taken away from them. But you got to You know, you got to wait till they commit that crime.
0: That's the hard part. That's the hard part. You
1: know, I mean. Yeah cops don't arrest people for stuff they might do especially in a place like new york city no,
0: that's right a- and to be fair um <laughs> to be fair I- occasionally they can be used productively as spies and you know things people that have manipulate for their living you know what i mean you can turn well the-
1: what, there was the tv show it takes a thief sure yeah yeah like if i if if, there, if there's any FBI people listening, check this one up, because, brother, she is drop-dead brilliant. Mm. I mean, smart. I mean, crazy smart. And what if... Well, You know, I had a friend of mine said, so there's two different sides, two different personalities. Do the personalities talk to each other? I mean... To really understand what I was dealing with, my doctor had to read this book, uh, "The Stranger Beside Me," about Ted Bundy. Yeah, there's two different personhoods. Yeah, two different. Yeah, people.
0: I I don't I don't have a. Cl- you're, you're asking some really you know difficult questions to answer, right? Because you and I don't experience this state, so it's very hard to talk about other people's subjective states. You know.
1: Yeah, uh, and I want to. I want to add that the last two precepts of the play, this great doctor was enabled. He was able to get me to begin a type of forgiveness Mm. for my perpetrator. Now, what Mm. does forgiveness mean? Like monsters don't make themselves. In order to be a monster, you first have to be a victim. To really understand that this person, uh, who, you know, we you had you, you had forty doctors looking around saying, "What the hell is wrong?" But none of them are looking over here, where the moral checklist is being pulled out, checked out by the pillar of the community and the beacon of the ch- deacon of the church. Right. I mean, they hide in the light. That's Jesus. where they hide. Oof. So I had, to, in order to survive, I had to develop a little sympathy for the devil.
0: I mean that's what happens. I mean this is what this is what happens whenever somebody has abuse, right? Well, of any type, you have to you have to develop some forgiveness for yourself and something like forgiveness for the the perpetrator.
1: Yeah, and the, and the forgiveness is you know it's coached into me is forgiveness is for you not them right we're not going to approve them
0: no no we're not
1: going to love them
0: no no we're
1: going to always decry them yeah but we're moving on and this crazy spiritual principle that i learned from this doctor nothing frees you from your perpetrator any faster than a little sympathy for the devil Mm. if you can stop manufacturing i mean brother, this is all high fluted stuff. It takes a lot of work, but it's going pretty well. And has gone pretty well after I met this doctor.
0: It's amazing. Mm.
1: Like what, what is your understanding of why do people cut?
0: Um, There's a various reasons. Uh, Mm -hmm. In my world, people cut because they're either trying to dissociate themselves from some pain or it's the opposite. They're trying to get back into their body.
1: Dissociating yourself by cutting it, by, by taking a razor and opening your flesh, I mean, that, that's that's rather thematic. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, mm-hmm. Why? Why why'd you pick that? You know? There's the notion, like for me, it seems to me that it was about letting people know there was something wrong. I was in this house I was afraid to speak out you're a kid you can't go out in public right won't someone come over to me and look at my arm one day and go what is wrong with you
0: right except but you go I- to great lengths to hide it right
1: um not really
0: really okay i mean most I'm most sure people do shirts
1: sure. just like everybody else
0: yeah
1: um but as I got older, when it really began to occur, I did hide it. Mm. Like when it rip, re- because when I was young, it really only happened a couple times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It happens and when it happens. Some people, of, some people get addicted to it.
1: Yeah, because um, it can also be a reenactment of a sexual experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That wasn't the case with me. In my well, explain, case,
0: explain people won't make that connection automatically. Explain how that's the case.
1: Because something goes in your body that you don't really want there, and then something comes out of your body that you don't really want to come out. So, if you're being molested as a child and not understanding what's being done to you, you could have a primal response to it. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you have, you know, just you're talking about monsters, you know. The Manson murders, is, as Sharon Tate is being murdered, um, Susan Atkins has an orgasm. What? Have you, I mean, I read that online. I've read that in a, a couple accounts of that.
0: Who, who reported that?
1: I'll get back to you with it.
0: That's crazy. But you
1: go into these documentaries. I mean, something comes out new every year on the Manson.
0: Eww.
1: I'm sorry. Maybe I shouldn't have quoted it.
0: No, no, it's okay. It, you read it. It's not but like it's idea, out of your head.
1: The idea that this is thrilling.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. The, the co-ed killer talking about how sexy it was to go back and see a skull.
0: Dude, so, right. con- so confused.
1: Do we call them monsters? Are we ready to call them monsters yet? Or Yeah. I don't know. I I... I I mean, I just never even thought of anything like that even, until somebody conned me like that. Mm. And you wonder why. Why are you doing that? The show, what was the show? Um, come on, Connie, Britain, Dirty John.
0: Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: About the man that did that to a woman in, in Newport Beach. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and And what's the guy get out of it? Why is it so sexually appealing his sense that he is a race, erasing a person Ugh. so they're out there yes or no
0: yes, they're out there
1: oh man am I being dull is am I being dull?
0: no, you're being fascinating, as a matter of fact oh, oh. and uh and, oh. and i I'm trying though i'm I'm having difficulty um <laughs> staying clear on what was your con and what is the play.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Did the con trigger you to write the play?
1: No, I, I was triggered to write. I wrote the play. It was first at La Jolla playhouse um, mm. eight years ago. It was mm. LA times uh, pick of the week for seven weeks in a row. The mm. great review by Charles, or is it Charles Melty? Who's uh, I, I guess at the time, and maybe still is theater critic. Um, it was received very well out there. Yeah. So that's when it it occurred. But getting a play from La Jolla to 42nd Street takes a lot of time. Yeah. It just does. There's too many people involved, too many schedules involved, you know, syncing up this producer with this Tony award-winning director when he's free. You see what I mean? It Mm -hmm. it, it takes time. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, this is off Broadway and well, maybe they'll take it uptown again. Who knows? <laughs> I'll go out there and try to try to do a good job. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger show from an episode all about sand. You heard me sand. It's actually quite fascinating. It's the most consumed natural resource that the world is actually running out of. Every year, we use enough concrete to build a wall 90 feet high and 90 feet across,
0: right the way around the planet at the equator. We're fully eclipsing the rate of creation here. You're probably sitting in a building made of just a huge pile of sand. And all the roads connecting all those buildings, also made out of sand. The glass, the windows in all those buildings, also made of sand. The microchips that power our computers, our cell phones, all of our other digital goodies, also made from
1: sand. So without sand, there's no modern civilization. And the craziest thing about it is we are starting to run out. For more on why sand is the next scarce resource and crazy stories about sand pirates on the black market for sand, check out episode 97 of The Jordan Harbinger Show.
0: And so you, you, you'd written the play before the con, right?
1: Yeah, I wrote the play years ago.
0: Okay. And, and this con thing happens. And, and how do the two relate, the con and the play? How, how do you see them as relating? Because haven't, um, we haven't gotten to well, the details on the play yet. Well,
1: my doctor said to me, um, all your life you've been looking for a stand-in for your mom and you found her. It's the same person. Mm-hmm. Both leading double With, lives. Right. Except so, one is an extrapolation. One is an italization. Am I making myself, making my point? No. There's this one that does this at this level and then this okay. one that expands it.
0: I see. I see. I see.
1: So, so I remember
0: you telling, sto- you know, we used to come and visit us on Loveland, and you would tell us stories about your mom, like, putting scissors through your tongue or something and, or a knife through your there tongue. There was a stab. Crazy, yeah, Crazy, crazy shit. Uh, and so do you want to tell people? She was cool
1: interrupted way? in the process. Yeah. It's just a serrate. Well, I'm not supposed to give the plot of the play away,
0: but does she, make, that's going to be my question. Is she making an appearance in the play? Oh yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a scene in which, um, the doctor stages, a. a what do they call it a dramatization um where the child meets the the mother as um uh, as an adult and confronts the mother i mean it's all it's all theoretical and staged theatrically yeah it's in, the um, play. in it's, the play. I believe they call it somatic experiencing
0: well it this is in the play yes mm-hmm. okay and did you ever, ever have a therapeutic experience like that
1: Yes, I had a version of that.
0: Okay. There are various ideas about that flying around, about these sort of, uh, whether it's somatic experiencing or they used to call it psychodrama, and they just call them generally experiential therapeutics. And they're dangerous. They can make people more symptomatic. You have to be really, really, really careful with them.
1: We saw a great example of it when I was um, in a hospital upstate New York, and I had this breakthrough um with this great doctor you know if you're not a skilled guide and you're going through the mind oh yeah you can you can lead that person into disaster
0: oh yes
1: really don't know what you're doing they can realize something that they're not ready to realize yeah and flip out
0: yeah or or the, the the brain is so complicated People can have memories of things that didn't happen, but are interpreted as real, or and they can't be sort of brought into the. It's all about integrating. Everything's about getting and becoming an integrated whole. And what what memories are are just, I don't know, things that we carry around that need to be integrated and regulated in our whole. Circle. Well,
1: what about the hippocampus that's that hides things until it thinks the body is ready to receive it we like the idea of, mem- of repressed like, memories is fascinating. Well,
0: it's how trauma works. Tra- trauma, you know, to survive trauma, uh, people dissociate from it right in the moment of it. Even they you know, you, if you're in a car accident or something, you feel like you're out of body. And
1: tell your audience, tell me too. I want to hear what you mean when you say disassociate. Dissociation
0: is a mechanism, uh, largely thought to be mediated by the vagal nerve, it's a primitive, your your brain is constructed in such a way that we are, we build upon older and older mechanisms. It's called Jacksonian dissolution, where we start with like our prefrontal cortex and our executive functioning and as those things don't serve us, the the, the situation before us is overwhelming. Over, oh, we're so young that we haven't developed those mechanisms yet, that we start to pull upon more and more primitive systems in our brain and autonomic nervous systems to help us survive the unsurvivable. And as you pull away from, go ahead, can you say something
1: like the Impala when the. When the lion gets a hold of it, it checks. It's just not there anymore.
0: Well, well, even just when it gets scared, it freezes, right? Yeah, the freeze.
1: The gazelle freeze.
0: Yeah, the freeze response. So you know, we we have something that we evolved on. The freeze response is something we share with lizards. It's through many different animals and and you know systems. Uh, it's a very primitive survival mechanism in the face of threat. We have something on top of that called fight or flight. We can go into this fight or flight mechanism to try to get away. But when it's clear that we can't get away and strike is inevitable, we go into a freeze response where our, first of all, our blood centralized. So if something gets pulled off of us, we we don't bleed so much. We uh, are flooded with endorphins so we can tolerate what happens to us. Cortisol comes into our system. And our vagus nerve, if it happens early, the vagus sort of stops developing. And in as a result, we, we become sort of repetitively dependent on dissociations. It becomes our primary means of regulation.
1: Like and, a, a child's nervous system can get ruptured and traumatized correct. and never really become an adult. Correct.
0: And... and what we are we are dependent on other brains to develop our capacity for emotional regulation but in that closeness of contact of being attuned and the back and forth of emotional exchange that occurs typically between mom and baby that is a very vulnerable state for children to be in and if in that state they are by those people they have been traumatized They are not willing to go back into that frame anymore. Uh And so they literally will not enter the frame that allows them to develop the capacity for more adult kinds of regulation. They end up trying to find other means to help them regulate. They become narcissistic and build a big sense of themselves on top of the deeply wounded core. Or they never really develop a sense of self and they become borderline and their sense of self is very fluid and unstable. And they, when they have emotions, they act them out or they project them in. You ever heard of projective identification?
1: Um, I haven't. I don't fully understand
0: it. Projective identification is essentially, it, it, imagine when you walk in a room and a baby needs to be fed. What do they do? They scream and cry in such a way that it drives you, it gets under your skin. They they need to get attention and they get it from you in such a way that you're, literally your hair stands up. Well, if you've been injured early, you become dependent on that mechanism. And borderlines become very good at sort of uh, injecting feelings that they disavow, that they don't like, into other people and then manipulating them there. How
1: do you it, inject that into other people?
0: It's uncanny. It's uncanny. They are they are wizards at doing it.
1: And, and creating? Feelings in other people
0: that really belong to them.
1: It's you have a,
0: to, a, you, You've got to. It's a it's a crazy pause, thing.
1: and that needs to be a, a bumper sticker.
0: <laughs> I know it's a crazy thing. So when you if you come around a borderline and you have all these feelings like you want to run away or you want to you want to get angry, all these feelings that you got to think to yourself. Wait a minute. Do I normally have feelings like that? Is that is that something I often feel? No, I never feel that way. And in, in fact, this feels foreign. <laughs> it's being it's and the and the other person will accuse you of all kinds of things that it continues to escalate that that injection that uh, of their feeling states so they 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 it's it's when listen when babies when children are um, having an emotion right the way they learn to regulate that emotion is a, another person comes up attunes to them signals on their face what they're seeing in the child very subtle changes in the muscular <laughs> face and the child learns oh that's my feeling That's my feeling. And the mother gives attunement and soothing affects alongside of that. If every time mom comes up to you when you're a baby and you hurt yourself or you're hungry or whatever, and mom goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, God," that you learn that your feelings exist out there in the other person. And I have to regulate my feelings in the other person as a means of survival. And that's one of the that's where codependency comes from. That's where projective identification. I'm
1: is. telling you, if, if you're out there on the dating scene and you meet someone exciting beyond your wildest dreams, you're going to want to look at their psychiatric record. <laughs> well, well, if, if anyone has ever said to them that they are borderline, you should, you, you need to know.
0: <laughs> it's true. You do need to know. It's very funny. It. it but, I, but I don't. But borderlines deserve love too, right? And uh, b- borderline's can well look. They can they can learn to regulate themselves. They can get a lot better with the, the dialectical behavioral therapy. But
1: here's the creepy part: when you're with this part of their personality that is lovely, yeah, lovely. Mm-hmm. My God, what a sensitive, tuned-in creature.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, and by the way, there's something electrifying about her. Under the sheets, mm-hmm. I mean, that's hard to walk away from.
0: Yes, it's addictive. It's addictive, and people with uh, trauma and intimacy challenges start to con- very often confuse intensity with love, and intensity yeah. becomes very addictive.
1: Yeah, and 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 a person that uses. Uh, theatrics to almost it's almost a performance arc to get you to believe that you are the most important thing that ever happened to them
0: mm-hmm. well but that's whenever anybody tells you that you are the most fill in the blank anything <laughs> ever in the world expect that you're also going to be the worst piece of shit ever in the world <laughs> it, it it is the it is this uh, <laughs> theorized as good mom, bad mom, splitting. Uh, There's lots of names for it, but uh, many physicians fall for that shit because they the borderlines will come in and go, I oh, my only you're the best doctor ever. I'm gonna tell all my friends, and if it's a famous person, watch out. And then if they that doctor disappoints them in any way, watch out.
1: Well, looking for a stand-in, huh? To make somebody pay. <laughs> for for what happened, I, I don't know. When I was in the treatment one time, um, they were encouraging uh, um, those likely to couple sexually,
0: yeah,
1: um, and this goes for both the men and the women. Yeah, that these are young trauma patients with sexual trauma, yeah, who are likely to be looking to get someone to pay for what happened to
0: them or or, or, don't even
1: really understand that
0: no no they don't have any awareness of it at all
1: that they're i mean what was the thing gone girl the ben affleck thing yep she's just going around wrecking people Mm -hmm. getting them to pay for for not being able to respond to their perpetrator
0: and and that's more where it goes into the sociopathy right there were other people or objects for their service, for their need to make them happy.
1: But what about the idea that that, that, that the sadistic? I think my doctor said one time when reviewing the situation there's a criminality mm-hmm. to the sadism, and we just discussed it earlier. Yeah, you know, inflicting pain is eternal. Yeah, well, criminal. I. I
0: I beg ignorance when it comes to the criminal. I I really don't understand criminal. I've dealt with it. I'm aware of it when I'm around it. And I just don't know what to do with it. Because the way I experience it is, it's typically somebody who's had some criminal behavior and Uh is sort of sociopathic. And who also is like, can be a very, I can get in touch with the person. I can actually get through to them. They're, They're not completely gone. And that person will, even with their body language, I've noticed they'll they'll go they'll do this open thing. All right, I'm listening. All right, you seem like an okay guy. Uh, and then as I'm getting deeper in with them, they'll kind of sit forward and then they'll go like this. It's all bullshit. They, they take this position like it's all bullshit. They always go to this position like oh, whatever, fuck you. It's what it's all bullshit. You want something too. It's sort of their position. Like you, you everybody just wants something from somebody. And that's, whoa, whoa, I don't even know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that. I really don't.
1: Um, well, that's a mindset, right? Yeah.
0: And and I've not been able to do anything with it. It, it, it. it. I Even when I feel like I'm making great progress, they will just all of a sudden fall back into that mindset.
1: Mm-hmm. I like the idea. I'm fascinated by the idea that some doctors won't even treat a borderline saying that a borderline will come in there um, and begin to manipulate them before they know it. Correct. They and, will, the borderline they will figure out your blue, their blueprint fast.
0: Yeah. Well, you certainly, if you're a male, wouldn't be in the room alone with one because they will claim all kinds of things.
1: Yeah.
0: And And often believe it. Like be able to pass a live lie detector test.
1: We're almost talking about superpowers here.
0: Yes, they have superpowers. listen or they're, have superpowers. listen to this. this is the craziest of all and it's th- this is non-scientific, but my charge nurse I uh, we had our unit was way down the other side of campus and I would pa- I would park an eighth of a mile away behind two buildings and then walk to the unit. And my charge nurse swear swears that she could always tell when I drove onto the campus because the borderlines would start to spin, and and borderlines would I I do I do pretty well with borderlines actually I I actually like treating them I can function well with them I, I have to you know I need a female with me all the time when I'm in there with them to make sure things are safe and proper and whatnot, but they always they particularly they're drug addicts because because I I don't know I'm I'm sympathetic to Borderlands. I feel like I feel like they they hurt themselves as much as they hurt anybody. Else.
1: Well, where did they come from? They were created. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mostly. Mostly. But anyway, hey, my nurse would always come in on the unit and she'd do this. She goes, she and this was her the her antennas. She'd go like this, which is a sign that the Borderlands knew I was here and that they'd been already they were in a, in a treatment room already spinning like maniacs. Now, maybe it was the time of day or maybe it was whatever, but they would start acting out in order to get attention from me and get drugs from me, whatever it was they wanted. Wow. Yeah, crazy, right? Superpowers. It is kind of a superpower. And, and they, because of that projective identification thing, they are highly tuned into other people.
1: I mean, they know what you are thinking. Just the idea that there is someone that can walk in to your life, figure out what it was you wanted to hear, So that suddenly you develop a new sense of beliefs about who you were and what the world (laughs) was. Yeah. What do you need to believe? Figure out what you need to believe and then feed that to you. Yeah. And that's just the beginning. Mm. Because once this person with these superpowers figures out your sexual blueprint. Mm -hmm. Watch out. I mean, once deliver that payload. Yeah. You're not leaving. Yeah, it's
0: very hard. And it's very painful. It's very, you're
1: like pugs, yeah. at pugs at the dog park. You don't have to put them on a leash. They're not leaving. They don't leave, you know, and you're not going to leave. And then there's the oxytocin factor. Yeah. How did you get I, out? I feel loved. Yeah, yeah. Someone loves me.
0: The addiction, the intensity. So of
1: Deeply, someone loves me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, wow, they really love me. And, and, I, and I there's leave. often
0: a there's often a cycle of abuse, you know, where you go through like this this idealized reunion, and then slowly you're starting to walk on eggshells again, and then it's it well.
1: Here, here's again. here's how it goes. Um, you get attacked, and then the and then she breaks down crying. We have so I would be attacked, then I would do a fact. I say, can we do a fact check about things you're attacking me about? Mm-hmm. And we would go down the list one by one. And she, I would say, can can we agree as we sit here, call me that I didn't do any of these things? (laughs) Yes. Then she starts to cry, lots of sobbing, I mean deep, deep sobbing. Then you have sex, and it starts all over again. 562 oh tower. my gosh, my gosh, Brooke, we're gonna miss our flight We didn't finish
0: the promo Can we just record it on the plane? I will not be that person what if we record it in the bathroom? Ew, no, that is disgusting. <sighs> well, we'll just have to go off the cuff and tell everyone about our podcast right now called Gals on the Go. Well, we are two gals constantly on the move with weekly conversations about friendship, navigating your 20s, relationships, trends, and just our exciting, chaotic lives. Will Brooke Niccio and Danielle Carolyn please come to well, the gate Well, I think it's time to board now, but this should be enough, right? Yeah, I'm sure they won't use it. But in case they do, new episodes of Gals on the Go drop every Wednesday. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. The other part of the borderline is a preoccupation with abandonment. And so her fear is that you, you know, when you... Reveal these truths about how ugly she is and feels about herself that you will leave, and then the sex gets you back in, or at least there feeling one
1: back. night when I caught her in these lies. What's that? There was one night when I caught her in these lies, and yeah. I, you know, I don't know if anyone of your listeners knows what it's like that you love someone so much, and it your soul knows before your brain does that you're being lied to. Mm. Really being lied to, and um, there was one time when I I caught her in these lies, and she began me to she began to beg me to hit her. Oh boy! <laughs> what, what 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 does that? Mean?
0: I I don't I don't know. I mean that's but that's obviously very pathological. Wow.
1: Well, listen. What happens after you hit her? Sexy. She makes a phone call.
0: Oh yeah, of course, of course.
1: And then she owns you. Yeah. But can the borderline weaponize their own tears?
0: Oh, e- everything. I mean I I I feel bad, listen. I'm having a little bit of experience here. We're, we're we're speaking so pejoratively about people with certain pathology, and I understand they've hurt you badly and, and made you out. Of, but but trust me, the borderline suffer as much as their victims. As sociopaths, it's a little more. It's a little clear cut. And I'm wondering if this person you're involved with was actually a sociopath uh, well, with borderline features, with borderline stuff. You know.
1: But what is the sociopath? The Sociopath looks for prey.
0: Sociopaths, so right? They can be cold-blooded. They're entertaining. They're fun as hell, but they really don't care about anybody except themselves. Like, really, well, not in a narcissistic way, in a total, total way.
1: Like the most important thing to me, and I've talked to other people who've had this experience, is I want them to feel bad about it too. Mm. I want them to feel bad about what they did. It's important to me that what they did matters to them. Mm. And I remember what my shrink one day I was, I was like, I want to go to New York and confront them about what they've done. Yeah. And she said, why don't you go confront a shark? I was going to say, <laughs> it's just what they are. It's going to be very unsatisfying. Go yell at a shark. She, she's absolutely right. <laughs> you're not <laughs> You, they, they have, they're not going to have any real understanding of what yeah, they're trying to afford. That's right. That is a
0: great insight and a great statement. And really? A me. lot of people with personality disorders of various types.
1: Yeah. You want them to feel bad. Oh, I wish they feel bad. Do they think about me? No. No. I remember one time, Shrek said, don't stir the pot. She isn't thinking about you. Mm -hmm. tiptoe in the opposite direction. She's much more powerful than you. Trippy, right? Yeah. Leave it alone. I remember talking to a cop about this, a guy that used to do security at SNL. And his sense was, you're going to walk away from this one, brother. (laughs) You're giving this one a pass. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Because when they get when you go online and find out what there is to find out about this person, um, and what that means, mm. um, you're gonna walk away.
0: So, so getting back to the play, yes. Uh, it, this really excellent psychiatrist that you found was, <laughs> was it was a he, right? Yes. And he started you on this road of insight into these situations and trauma. Into the, he,
1: introducing me to the idea that mental illness is not an airborne virus. It comes from very somewhere very specific, and it has a story. Mm. Right. Mm. Just the idea that I was this way because of something that happened. And that means a lot to a person who's been wandering around wondering what the hell is wrong with him. And sort of idly... Playing with the thought that maybe this is my fault. It, it's so odd to me that no one had brought that up to
0: your attention before this uh, psychiatrist. No. So weird.
1: Couldn't figure the damn thing out.
0: Did you see people the with the huh? the right letter? Did you see people with the correct letters after their name?
1: You know what I mean. Yeah, I mean the first. You know the the doctor in this play. I, we also put in the place there were three doctors. They were all Cornell Hospital MDs, mm-hmm. the psychiatric one. And when I would go there, as a cutter, they were they would say to me, Just remember you're this way because of something that happened to you. Yeah. This is not your fault. Mm. This is a biological response that you don't have any control over at this right. time in your life.
0: That's right. It's a brain.
1: You will if you pursue therapy. Mm-hmm but there's always an antecedent mhm where where did this come from you know the coaching into me that and besides it's not it's more of a mental injury than a mental illness because injury tells the story now you're talking you noah know and talk about the slim percentage where we just can't really understand why it's happening mhm but I we're talking about, and I don't want to say the bulk of, but we're talking about the body, the world in which you can find an in Mm-hmm. And then what do you do? What do you do with that? How do you forgive the perp? Right, because you just can't sit around angry the rest of your life, and get cancer like that.
0: And that—that's the, the what the play is about. Yes. Yeah. How do you how do you forgive the perp? It's a, it's a very powerful question.
1: Yeah, and also. In the play, you know, they you have me asking the doctor something I asked him in real life. Mm-hmm. The most important thing in a story like this is, I said, you know, on the day I was, as I was leaving, walking out for the last time, I stopped him and I said, one last question. How do you know that I didn't make this whole thing up? Mm. You know.
0: Yeah. What he said. Like
1: he said, well, a when a person takes a razor blade and open and cuts open their flesh, by definition, they're risking their own life. Mm-hmm. No living or- organism can risk its own life unless it's ordered to save it. So, whatever the psychological motif is, this is a life-saving gesture. Mm-hmm. You know, or it can be. And the second is. Children don't make up stories about their parents that would put them in prison, even from bad homes. Mm -hmm. You know, you're getting into, you know, I did the Adam Carolla podcast about the Menendez brothers. You're getting into dark territory that a thousand years from now they'll probably understand but we're just starting with this this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so you're not likely to have made up this story and you're not likely to have cut yourself that many times without an antecedent. There's a reason for
0: it. I, I would agree with that. And, and I the way I approach people when they say things like that is just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it is real to you. And we have to manage that.
1: Yeah. And one last thing. If I did make the story up, that proposes that I am a sicker dude than he even imagined. That you walk into a thing and sell that giant story.
0: Well, not as a lie it it would be, have to be something your brain recorded in some way, you know some
1: well, I released all my medical records to La Jolla Playhouse. Anyone who wants to read them, you can read them and they, these are these are Cornell hospital records cool, yeah,
0: it sounds like a one I really want to see your play
1: and I wish you could. I mean you know. listen, the play was slated for a longer run. Here's what they're doing now, you know, maybe it maybe it it looks good and, and goes further, so we'll see what happens, right. Did you ever see the documentary, Cracked um, Up?
0: No. What's Come about? on. What's that about?
1: It's about this play in my life and my childhood. And we go back to my childhood home. Oh, wow. And this doctor is in the documentary.
0: Oh, fantastic. I got to watch it. Some of the
1: things, things you said. Some of the things you said today. Yeah. He's explaining this documentary. How long ago oh,
0: How long did you first see him? <sighs>
1: Ten years, twelve years. Yeah,
0: because this stuff was becoming more common in the common psychiatric lexicon about twenty, fifteen, twenty years ago.
1: Well, there he can show a model of a human brain and show how the tentacles of the nervous system begin forming here and then stretch out over the brain into adulthood. You know, and and that a traumatized child just may not, just may stop growing.
0: It, well, it it does stop growing. It 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 becomes dependent on more primitive mechanisms.
1: And you have an adult child,
0: it, right? It's why. I remember, Adam and I used to always when we would hear these women these calling us, and they we'd go, wait a minute, wait a minute, what happened when you were six? Because if you closed your eyes and listened, it sounded like you were talking to a six-year-old. Yes. I mean, exactly. Yes, because it's a there's arrested certain amount of arrested development, and then things are kind of put on top of that that are very superficial and sort of, um,
1: but but you know you, survival structures. You know, you think childlike things. You think like a child. I remember thinking um, when I found out who who did this. You know, mm. you think of I want great harm to come to them, mm. and I, I remember when I came out here to L.A. I went to my friend, Greg Baldwin, who's a comic out here, and he said to me, would you want Would you want great harm to come to her? Do you want God to punish her? Do you want her to be in a car wreck? Do you want someone to kill her? Like, think about those for a second. Mm-hmm. Would that work for you? Mm. And, and the awful truth is no.
0: Yeah. It's very powerful.
1: No, it wouldn't.
0: Right, because you're a good person.
1: Well, I got mm-hmm. enough humanity.
0: Yeah.
1: No. You know, and he's like, "Cause you love her. You love her."
0: Well, that's that's a that's a big jump to do to get there. That's hard work to get well, to that, that point. Because that, if you right. can feel, if you holding both those that incredible pain and rage and love. In, I, at the I, same I, time, I, is very hard for people.
1: Yeah, I disagree. I didn't believe I did. Mm. I just wanted... You want someone to be held to account.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But how? How? Mm. Going to get your, your friends you know and law enforcement to investigate her and find mm. dirt on her? Right. Do you want to hurt her that bad? Do you want her in jail? And then the part of me is like, no. And it's sad. He's like, then you're going to have to take the long road with this thing.
0: Which it's is gonna forgiveness. Take time forgiveness.
1: And to move on yeah. until that that great day when you open your eyes and she's not the first thing you're thinking about.
0: Are, are there any any headlines in the road to forgiveness?
1: Um, it's going to take a long time. I mean, yeah. yeah. I know that I could do things which would cause great destruction. Mm. But I, you know, there was years ago, I don't know how much time we have. I'll make this as brief as I can. There was a guy that sold tickets at McHale's bar on Forty Six and 8th. And he had the running, the jumpsuit, the matted wig, the cigar, the pinky ring. And everyone says he was connected. Mm. And one day I was getting drunk in the bar because I, there was somebody that had insulted me and I wanted to hit him in the head with a lamp. That's, that was my little child plan. I'm going to go back there. I'm going to hit this guy with a lamp. Mm. And this guy says to me, you know what happens? He said, the worst part about this, you you go do that, and then you're going to the penitentiary. You know, mm-hmm. that's kinda... mm mm-hmm. But the second part is... He, most human beings cannot I use the word. Well, I, I cannot alter a person in that way. Mm-hmm. Cannot hurt them. Cannot hit, brain them. You know, there's a like guy gets drunk at the bar. He's jealous. He walks up to the guy and hits him in the head with a the bottle the morning. Next day he's on the road to Rikers Island yeah. and he feels terrible about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, I would not feel okay about I just got to take the long road man and look I I'm doing pretty good with it
0: good
1: you know but I don't I don't think I you know they say you recover from this but when you you recover from it when you change mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah. I don't know. To me, it seems like water eroding a rock.
0: It's when you grow. You grow away, you, and you start looking at it from a different perspective, different vantage point.
1: Yeah, yeah, and not be like, why isn't she thinking of me?
0: Right, right. No, no.
1: Why didn't this mean anything? No, no. I no, remember no. one time I was a clue on Jeopardy. Right, <laughs> I was yeah. a clue on Jeopardy. Yeah. And I said to my shrink, Hey, do you think maybe her and her mom might be sitting around watching Jeopardy and my name might come up? yeah <laughs> you know, that that could happen and I mean what do you think that would mean? <laughs> it wouldn't mean anything. What would it mean to a shark <laughs> And it would not mean a thing. Yeah. The shark took your brother's leg,
0: yeah,
1: the, t- the shark attacked your mom. yeah that's how much it would mean. Yeah. Wow, right?
0: Yeah, yeah yeah hey we're we're sort of coming to yeah. the end of our time together i i'm having one memory in my head of a conversation you and i had also i just wanted to clarify it of you spending time in a jamaican prison yes uh, I was,
1: in the bahamas what was that? what the hell i mean how much time do you have like that was a long
0: story. I remember that. I just want to make sure I wasn't misrepresenting. It wasn't a dream
1: or something. Well, you know my book. My book, God, if you're not up there, I'm fucked. Is a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, and it's in the book, and okay. that's what the play is based on. Right. Yeah, that happened in uh, Freeport in the Bahamas. Yes, sir. Leg was irons, the, the whole bit.
0: What was the What was the original crime? I, that, that's the part I forgot.
1: Well, I was I. I had drank sixteen shots of golden rum, and I was in a stall with a man who had something that was purportedly cocaine, wanting me to buy it, um, wanted me to sample it. It got fuzzy after that. The long shows I was arrested that night for Mm. coke in the bathroom.
0: Okay, I see.
1: I got off because um, the my father came down there with five thousand dollars cash and let all of that. I'm not saying that was. I got up because this lawyer, well, I mean, first of all, I didn't have a lawyer. Yeah. A guy comes up. My dad flies down with the trial with the $5,000. And just as we're about to go in the courtroom, a guy comes up and he goes, I'll get your son off for $500. My father goes, I'll give you three. I'll give you another two. Go in there and get him off. He goes, deal. He goes inside and he says, "Your Honor, there isn't. This is a what we call a trace amount of coke. We don't even know if it is coke. Has it been lab tested? You know, Mm. I mean. So charges dropped because of that guy.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: And I'll never forget the guy who who sold me the coke, gave me the coke, was in the prisoner's docket with me. Huh." And then he bangs the gavel, charges drop, and and the the dealer goes, what 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 happened? And the guy yells at him, uh, "You idiot! Charges dropped, leave!" I'm like, "What in the hell?" Well,
0: they got both of you guys off.
1: Well, I think he was saying to him, "Yes," yeah. and I don't know if he was you know part of it a scam when you start telling saying that people are scamming people you know you you should have Mm. proof to back it up and be prepared for a legal battle. so i'm not going to say um he had it that's what happened
0: wow well daryl i thank you for the creative solution of sharing some of this stuff with us and being so open about it. I think it's very important. Well, I
1: think you have the talk about the borderlines.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, right?
1: Borderlines have superpowers. That's they the, do
0: have superpowers. And that's the
1: refrigerator magnet right now.
0: They can be used for good or bad. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, the other thing by the way, is this was an uncommon diagnosis until like the 1980s or so when it sort of became pervasive same thing with narcissism generally this is this is a this is a historic thing that's happening right now
1: what's the difference between a narcissist and a sadist
0: a narcissist and a sadist i mean narcissists can ha, they can you know malignant narcissists can become sadistic if it serves their needs, but they usually aren't just sadistic for sadistic sake you know to be gratified by hurting other people it's not it has to help them in some way. Make them feel better. And sometimes, it, you know, if they're, you have to be a narcissist kind of to be a sadist, right? You have to kind of. They're in the same club. Yeah. They're, they're relatives. That's for they're
1: sure. They're first cousins. Yeah. Yes. And, okay.
0: and, and, but the point is that, you know, when I started working at psychiatric hospital, there was all kinds of diagnoses. And by the end of the eighties, it all started clustering. Borderlines came in first, and then generally narcissistic disorders, cluster B became all you ever saw. And if you wonder why we're having you know, so much mobs behavior and so much craziness. It's all narcissism. And one of the things narcissists do as a group to, to manage their rage that we were talking about earlier is they gather together in mobs and they focus their aggression on scapegoats. And there's a shit ton of that going on these days. You notice?
1: Well, they're, they're living their whole life to find a stand in for their purpose. Mm-hmm. Is, is that possible? that
0: that could be a dynamic aspect of it but there's a more practical part which is if we don't deal with our aggression we'll turn it on each other so let's all get together and turn it on this guy or this group it's bad it's not good
1: mob that, mentality indefinable
0: it's very bad the only time i can find that it's been similar to this is sort of pre-revolutionary france and uh, it didn't Whoa. go well. it didn't go well <laughs> it did not Whoa. okay yeah, yeah. So, all right, my friend. Uh, tell them the particulars. Where do you want them to go? Give them all the, the plugs.
1: Um, come come to it's called Cray for crazy Cray Cray. It's at uh, Audible Theater on Manetta Lane in Greenwich Village, right around the corner from the Comedy Cellar. Um, there's five shows. Uh, I don't have it all in front of me. It's like January 15th through 20th.
0: And then, how about do you have a website or anything else? People find follow you and find your
1: um amazon audible is going to begin putting out a website and a whole media campaign oh i have a website yeah it's daryl c hammond or something you mean no i don't have a website i have an instagram
0: okay daryl c hammond yes Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like Holiday Movie Favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.